Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 2, Episode 13. Our fave fantasy movies, heroes and villains, plus we chat about OGL. That's right, friends. Come join us as we discuss our favorite fantasy movies and chat about how you can incorporate those stories and characters into your own game. We also talk frankly about the whole D&D OGL debacle and give our opinions on the topic. Lastly, this episode is coming to you late. Sorry, we're not sorry, but I have a bad cold. Come count how many times I cough and sneeze. All this and more in this episode of 13-Sided Die. Hey everybody, we are back. Uh, I know it's been a little while. It's Sean here with my good buddy. Epic Jim. Epic Jim. Uh, Big apologies. Uh, I have had a horrible cold for the last, um, oh boy, it's over two weeks now. And uh, I'll give you, I know we don't apologize, but I will apologize in advance (laughs) because you're going to hear me snorting and coughing all the way through this. So I'm I'm sorry about that. It's still clinging on, but we've decided we're just going to go ahead and try and see what we can get done. So that's fine. Uh, You do okay, We don't apologize. We don't apologize. Yeah. (laughs) How you doing, buddy? Awesome. And you're you're not sunny here and and you're not sick. No, was a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I'm not really. seems like everybody gets sick in the new year. It's crazy. Yeah. Got to oh, well. see those clerics a little more often, I think. I, yeah, I, I need some tonics or something big time. Yeah. <laughs> healing, healing potions. Uh, so today we've got a really fun topic. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Being sick has given me a little time to think about it, which is kind of scary. Um, we want to talk about our favorite fantasy um, movies or books or anything. And within that, some of our favorite uh, heroes and favorite villains, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm very excited about this topic. And um, I do want to throw this out there right away because I know there's going to be, I mean, there's some obvious things like, you know, the whole Lord of the Rings world. I I mean, and and I'll be, I do have a really little thing I want to talk about it, but for the most part, I've ignored Lord of the Rings Mm because we've talked about it before and there's so many great characters so much there. Um, Like Game of Thrones, I didn't even think about going there because it's just... It is so well known. There's so much there. Are there any others like that, Jim, that came to your mind that that you maybe just kind of discredited, didn't even worry too much about, or? Ah, uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings is yeah my big one. Yeah, which which we love, absolutely love, and I think it's great. But I just didn't. I think we've talked about a lot of those characters, talked about all that stuff. I kind of wanted to go a little deeper, and I'll be honest, I got some real strange ones in here that are not <laughs> science fantasy. They go over to science fiction and some outside of the realm of that too. But I thought it'd be really fun to talk about some of those different areas and uh, and why. So, um, all right, Jim, why don't you kick it off with your first one here? What what is kind of your top? Uh, not your top list, but what what is on your list? What what is a, a fantasy movie or uh, media that you really like? Well, I'll give you my favorite one. Okay. Masters of the Universe, baby. Sick. Yeah. Just uh, Eternia. It's uh, it's just an incredible mix of like old school fantasy meets like science fiction. Just such a beautiful world. There's amazing characters. Like obviously He-Man, Skeletor, you know, the big ones. That's Uh, cool. Love the banter between those two, like for hero and villain. Perfect. That is Uh, cool. Yeah. And uh, I thought it'd be kind of cool just think of some like cool things we could like pick from these fantasy worlds to like put into our D&D games. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like with that, uh, message, anyone who's familiar, like He-Man, Castle Grayskull. Yeah. 
like a castle that looks like a skull. Like, come on, that that'll fit in any D and D game. <laughs> that is sick. Yeah, and then uh, magic sword that enhances the hero. Like, yep. easy enough Hello. to put that in the game, right? Yeah, totally. So, I thought that'd be pretty sweet. Were you a, a Shira fan as well, or was it always just uh, the He Man? Nah, just He Man. <laughs> I I was an only child, so there's no you know. Yeah. No, no sister. No sister to put, bring Sheer in there, but. Well, that's a cool one. I think that's a great one to, to start off with. Um, uh, one of my favorite ones that I've got on here is uh, Conan the Barbarian. Of course, original books and everything are amazing too. But for me, Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie was so iconic and epic. Like y- you couldn't have thought of a better person to portray Conan. Uh, I think Arnold no. just totally nailed it. I mean, tell me another movie where someone punches a camel. Yeah, come on, come on! You don't get any any sillier D and D than punching a camel. Um, Nat twenty, Nat twenty. I always felt that the movie too has so many elements when I watch it that feels like you're really watching Dungeons and Dragons. Like it it has, you can see all the elements of like, oh, they had to make a roll there, and they had to do this, and it just really fit a lot of the ideas of classes and races and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically, when they break into the tower, there's that really tall tower, and they have to go break in like thieves. I felt that was so much – it's just like to me like watching people playing D&D. It is so cool, the climbing the tower, the the chance of falling, the getting in, the sneaking. Like just the whole scene was so completely Dungeons & Dragons to me. I absolutely love it. So I'm sure everybody's seen the movie, but if you haven't, hands down, it's one of my all-time favorites. So there you go. Yeah, the like snake cultists too oh, and like – Come on. Still, yeah. It's why so I had it on my list and I took yeah. it off because I was like, Sean's going to have that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so great. I, I mean, love Conan. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay, what else you got? Mm, uh, Ralph Bashke. I'll never Ooh. say his name right. Uh, know, Wizards. Good. Wizards is great. Yeah, that's the 1977. It's a cartoon that's post-apocalyptic, high fantasy, like yep. fantasy versus technology. Uh, the the two the main kind of wizards there they're evil or one's evil one's good and they're twin yeah. brothers yeah that that'd be kind of cool to bring into a campaign right oh totally totally yeah my dad took us to that when we were kids so oh, I can wow. 70, yeah yeah I mean it's <laughs> your dad's cool <laughs> my dad was cool seventy seven right I would have been like eleven years old and my brother and sister would have been younger than that like five and six ish. And I remember we, we, I think we went to the drive-in and saw that. And I don't think we should have been seeing that at that age. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I don't know. My, my mom got me to watch, a, you know, the movie Heavy Metal. Oh. When oh. I, yeah, I was probably 11, 12. She's like, oh, yeah, you should check this movie out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. Crap. Yeah. For a little kid. like. Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, it really shows now. Like, <laughs> totally. I totally. think it had an effect on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wizards is phenomenal. And, and um, and we've talked about, uh, I've got another um, Ralph um, Bakshi uh, movie on my list as well. Like we've talked about him so many times in the past. They did so much epic stuff, just phenomenal. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a DM and need inspiration, like just yep. watch a couple of those movies and with a yes. notepad. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. Um, okay. I, I want to talk about, to me, <clears throat> sorry, people coughing. One of the ultimate bad guys. Um, I find in our game so often... There's these epic heroic characters, and as a DM, we tend to fall short and give these very flat, two-dimensional villains for them to go up against. Um, and a lot of times, that that character that they're fighting against is really just it's just a bunch of stats. They're fighting stats. They're just fighting, and they've got these magical things and that. But there's, there's no real essence to what that person is about. So for me, 
I always try and think about movie villains and why and, and what is the motivation? What's the drive? I honestly think this person is one of the best movie villains of all time. And I'm talking about Hans Gruber from Die Hard. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. Um, Alan Rickman is a genius actor. And that character, if you watch it, is played so phenomenally. I mean, he's just a thief. At the end of it, it's all about money. They're just ripping the place off for money. But there's yeah. so much dimensionality to his character. Um, so much going on. There's such a level of respect. If you look from the other people of his team, they always look to him for the, the nod of what to do next or where to go. Um, and he's very smart. He's very calculated. Uh, there's a whole history you can feel like he, there, there could have easily been a prequel made of that movie of Hans's character. And I, people would have loved it because he was so just you watched him and you just wanted to see more of him. Um, you know, the scene when he pretends he's one of the um, people in the tower, one of the um, employees. And he puts on this bad American accent and whatever, and he totally changes. And he's, anyways, I think the all-time best villain. And if you want to have a really cool villain in your game, look to really cool villains in TV, movie, books, and and understand why they tick. And it's not because they have great powers or they're really, you know, that kind of thing. It's usually because they have great driving forces and they have a great understanding of what they're doing. And if you can understand what your villain is doing, your players will get so much more out of it because they have to solve stuff. They have to figure stuff out and what makes that guy tick. So Hans Gruber, Die Hard, best villain of all time. There you go. Awesome. Uh, another question for you. Is Die yeah. Hard Christmas movie? Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, hand, hands down. Oh, it is. <laughs> I, watch it, I watch it every Christmas. I honestly watch it every Christmas. It is a great Christmas movie. And so is Gremlins. Gremlins is another great Christmas movie. Like, yeah. oh yeah, for sure. I agree with you on the Gremlins one, but I don't know about the Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Awesome. What else you got? Um, well, we should probably do Lord of the Rings. Yes. Now, um, are we talking Lord of the Rings book, Lord of the Rings animated series from, again, from Bakshi in 78? Are we talking Lord of the Rings um, Jackson or are we talking all of them? Yeah, all of them. Okay. Where you get, you know, your inspiration from. Uh, yep. Not really original, but like, yeah, just like, it's not like an original idea, but like dwarves, humans, elves halflings they all have like their own like towns and cities yep so i thought that that's pretty cool not much like intermingling between the fantasy races you could put that in your campaign yeah yeah um something for me when we talk lord of the rings and this is the one note i did make was in again ralph bakshi's 1978 animated version we talked about this in one of our other podcasts where he did the rotoscoping and it looks really cool because it's real people moving that have been then reanimated on top and stuff the ring wraiths are so evil and scary to me in that movie. Like I think the, and then the screeching they make and just everything oh. about them was so completely dark and epic. Um, I would advise people to watch that and you don't have to see the whole film. You can get clips on YouTube, whatever. Those guys are so cool. Put that into your story, right? Put that into your campaign with these crazy, scary creatures. That's cool. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. I had that too. Like trans, uh, transporting a magic item where you got to keep it on the down low. Yeah. Yeah, you totally. Know, instead of every corner, you know, that have, well, no in D&D parties, though, they probably would be pulling it out every chance they got, but. <laughs> yeah. I had my characters one time have to transport a magical item, and there were um, three things that they had to do. They had to get it from, like, from here to there in a certain length of time. Like, it had to be there by a certain length of time. They weren't allowed to look at it, and they weren't allowed to expose it to sunlight. 
Those are the three things. And they, and it was, so I was, was on this time mission and it was fascinating. It was so fun to watch them having to deal with those components. And as a GM, you throw crap at them to try and break them down on those things. Right. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was really cool. It was really fun. So yeah, you're totally right. Like that's, that's a, that's a, a tale as old as time, right? Like uh, transporting a magical item. That's great. Uh, did they actually do it in your campaign? They did it. They did it. Yeah. They, uh, they managed to enlist the help of some treants, which was really cool to help speed up the distance. Cause it was really going to be tight whether they can make it on time. And they actually ran into some treants and convinced them of the dire situation and the treants helped them. And it was really cool. And they were successful. Oh, cool. Yeah. That most of the people I play D and D with first thing they would do is go out to the middle of a field in the middle of the day and open it up. <laughs> and like seven, don't look in the box. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Giant tower that sees all. That's another yeah. one, right? Where you kind of have to stay away from a certain, uh, yeah, 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 end or whatever. So cool. Yeah, giant eagles for fast travel. That'd be yeah. something cool to throw into a game. Mithril. Totally. totally. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got for Lord of the Rings. But cool. Um, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. Uh, you know I like this anyway, but Blade Runner. Mm. So we're science, you know, science fiction for sure. But um, I just think if you think about the the story of Blade Runner, it would be a really cool theme for a game where you're hunting a specific type of creature because kind of that's the, you know, the idea that um, the the main character by Harrison Ford, Deckard, he's like a gumshoe detective cop in the future and he's hunting replicants, right? These kind of robots that have been created that have gone AWOL and he's got to hunt them down. That's kind of a neat thing you could have as a campaign almost like where you got this group of heroes that they're hunting a certain thing and it's this bad element and so you could create these bad creatures that don't exist and have them that they um they kind of some kind of weird multiply multiplying type thing happen maybe like primary primordial ooze they come out of or something and then they wreak havoc so this elite group of heroes are hunting down these creatures that's a cool campaign i'd love to play something like that oh that's uh, awesome so again right from a movie blade runner which is phenomenal um Nothing at all like our science fantasy, but could easily be transferred into that. So that was one that I put down. Well, right when you said that, first thing that my mind goes to is Warforges. Oh, yeah. And then they're sure. building they're building more Warforges. <laughs> that is a sick idea. I love that <laughs> idea. You're, yeah, you're hunting Warforges that have gone AWOL. Yeah. Love that idea. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, yeah. Might have I have to do, do that. I really like Warforged characters. I got to play one for a little while as a fighter. Oh, I fell in love with that character. They were so fun to play. Yeah, I like. Yeah, because they don't like need like really sleep or like food. No, they don't have no. to breathe. So that's no. always fun. Yeah, I did some really fun things like that. Like we had to, they had to cross a river or something, and the bridge was broken. Well, I had them just go like walk down under the water and carry like rope to the other side. And the DM was kind of pissed. So he threw some real crap at me to try and prevent a really bad river stream and all this kind of stuff. Cause it was like, I, I kind of, I kind of nerfed his whole thing getting across this bridge. Cause he forgot that I don't breathe. So I can just go underwater. Um, yeah. It was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, they're really cool. Neat, neat creatures to work with. Yeah. Cool. Um, what did I got here? The labyrinth, Jim Henson's labyrinth from 1986. I, I bet myself that you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so I won. <laughs> well, it's not, I mean, like all of Jim Henson's monsters are so inspiring. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a great movie. You could do like, yeah, like a goblin themed one shot from that, or, mm-hmm. you know, you have to do the quest in a timely matter. Like you were talking about. Yeah. They did uh, literally make the dungeon a labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. Have that's, you ever done that in a game? Had a labyrinth? I played in a game with a labyrinth, but I've never as a DM. 
uh, out of the abyss. There's a big labyrinth in that one. Is there? I've not ever done one in my game. Um, I think they'd be really cool, but it's kind of hard to display either via train or even on screen, like without giving away what what it looks like. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of hard to to start going through it without people seeing the whole thing in a way. You know, it's yeah. just a little bit difficult. But I think they're kind of cool. I think the only way you can really do a labyrinth well is that nobody sees it. It's theater of the mind. And as the players say, I go left or right. It's up to them to draw it out. Like you yeah. don't show them anything. You don't, they just, it's really up to them. And that way it gets kind of confusing and you could get lost and try and figure it out. That's to me, the, about the only way you can really do a labyrinth. Yeah. Theater of the mind. And then in chunks too. Yeah. And let them have to figure out where they are. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that, that's really cool. That's a great one. And, and you're right. I think just about anything that Jim Henson, Jim Henson stuff works so well, I think, with D&D too. Like that that creative mind and these creatures that, that, that he created are so cool. Yeah. Um, okay, here's one for you. Um, uh, the film Excalibur. Mm, yeah. Early 80s. Some of the things in there that are so epic to me and uh, anybody who watches Adam Savage, his uh, tested program on YouTube... Uh, he's a big armor guy, and he had said as a kid he was so enamored watching that movie and seeing all this armor. And that film is just like littered with amazing like knights and armor, uh, and it looks phenomenal. Um, yeah, th- I remember watching that when I was young, and it really quite affected me too. Just in the whole concept, the story, which is so epic. I mean, you know, um, fantastic, um, King Arthur. Um, but. Um, just how visual that movie was. They did such a great job with it. Everything about it was like the lady in the lake and the sword coming out the water. And just, it was so sweeping and visually stunning. It, it really was right around the time I was starting to find out about D&D and stuff. So it just really went hand in hand in it. So a lot of my early D&D stuff had a lot of that visual element of Excalibur and stuff in it, which I think is really cool. Like Merlin is, Merlin's scary as shit in that film. Like he's not like... I, Merlin's usually portrayed as this kind of, you feel like he's this cool, friendly dude that helps out. And in there he feels just scary, which yeah. is really cool. I love that. Um, That's ancient magic, right? That is scary. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Right. So anyways, that, that I think that's a, that's a really cool one that I always really liked. Yeah. Yeah. I love the armor thing too, right? You don't to like really flesh out the armor in your world and have all the different yeah. knight factions having their own armor and yeah. what it could look like. Yeah, I love when people ask, um, you know, if you say, well, there's somebody coming up to you and they say, well, what does he look like? And so you explain, like, human, whatever. They say, no, 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 like, what, what is he wearing? Mm-hmm. And so you start getting into, like, you know, some of the heraldry stuff as well. Like, oh, you know, he has this, he's this colors, and he's got this, and there's a, a rampant lion on his shield or something. And, and that's really fun when you start getting into all those kind of things. And, you know, tip to DMs, be thinking about that. You know, not that he's just he's dressed like a knight or dressed like a soldier. What insignia is he carrying and what insignias are there in your world and what do they mean? Because someone can spot something from a distance like a boar on a, you know, a blood hill. That's bad. Those dudes are bad. And just by seeing that, they could know it's bad. And that, that's a, a neat thing to work with and let players roll a investigation until they see it. And, uh, you know, you could do some cool stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. He has uh, skulls for shoulder blades. That's oh, you know, maybe put idea. up, maybe put up the swords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, all right. Let's uh, another Jim Henson, the dark crystal. I knew you were going to say that one too. <laughs> I mean, that one too, like crystal of power that the villains are using for evil and the heroes have to retrieve it. Yeah. Dexies, like what a cool race. Like those are terrifying. Yeah. I, ha- I hate birds in real life. Sorry, not sorry, bird people. <laughs> like, birds are terrifying, anyways. And then to make them like a humanoid race, and they looked creepy. Oh yeah, so like, creepy. Yeah, 
Did they remake or kind of redo that recently ish? Yeah. Yeah. They did, did a did series they? of it. Yeah. On Netflix. Really, really well that. done. Yeah. Was lots it? Yeah. of, uh, um, like they did, they used puppets for a lot of it, not like a ton yeah. of CGI. So haven't watched that. I should probably check that out. Yeah. If you love the dark crystal, it's, it's good. eh? very like it. They did a really good job. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's a neat one. Again, like we said, Jim Hant, that guy's mind, eh? Like, holy wow. Right. And, and you, you think of how far that spans, like, you know, I mean, because really it, it's like Sesame Street, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the Muppets on Sesame Street and all that kind of stuff. Lovable. Um, but it goes to so far the lengths and the depths of, of what he is, you know, like what he created to, you know, obviously the, the Muppet Show, which was just hilarious. And it, I hadn't watched a lot of the Muppet Show for a long time, and in the last couple of years, I've seen a few different clips and stuff, and I forgot how there's a total different level going on there, like that adults are getting that the kids yeah. aren't, you know, like, and that's just such a a talent to do that. Um, but then all these movies that they did that are so uh, so much darker and um, really cool, like it's just phenomenal. It's it's really hats off. They did amazing work. Yeah, and like the best CGI doesn't compare to like a creepy puppet. You can just no. you can tell. No, no. It's funny. Um, I know you're not a Star Wars fan, and I didn't put Star Wars down on my list anywhere oh, in tribute thanks. to you. Thanks. Because um, I could have. Uh, but I did just finish <laughs> watching uh, a series on Disney called Light and Magic, and it's the history of industrial light and magic, George Lucas's um, company that does all the special effects. Um, I would highly recommend it, even because it's not just about Star Wars, it's about everything, because they went on to, like, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, like, The Abyss. They did all of those movies of special effects. So if uh, you haven't seen it, I'd really highly recommend it. And it's really kind of cool how they show going from models into CGI and then kind of blending the two with stuff like they're doing on The Mandalorian now. Um, really fascinating show. Anybody out there who's interested in special effects and, and models and that kind of stuff, really recommend it. It's like an eight-part series. I just loved it. It was phenomenal. Oh, cool. And what's it called again? It's called Light and Magic on Disney. Cool, yeah. Yeah, really, really well done. Total behind the scenes, like lots and lots of clips of these idiots working in their workshop, <laughs> making stuff and doing stuff. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's such a great series. Loved it. Cool. Yeah. Well, here, I'll throw you through a loop. Darth oh, Vader that? is one of my favorite villains of all time. See, I got to put Star Wars down. He's great. As much as I don't like Star Wars, Darth Vader is an amazing <laughs> villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and visually, right? Like, I mean, they base a lot of uh, off like samurai type design. The helmet is very samurai in look, um, but just such a great look. Very tall, very strong, uh, and then having that respirator, you know, breathing apparatus mm-hmm. voice thing was just genius. Like, it sounds so creepy and great, and yeah, phenomenal, right? Um. What's that Rogue One at the end when he wrecks all those people in the spaceship? I've yeah. watched, I saw it in theaters. I've probably watched it on YouTube probably 30 times or more. Just to like, if I need to get fired up, you know, if I yeah got a long day of work ahead of me or about to hit the gym or something, I'll watch Heck. that and just watch him wreck that whole spaceship. <laughs> and like, that fires me up. I'm like, now that's a villain. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Totally cool. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get into Star Wars, but. There's so much there that is very iconic, epic uh, stuff. I mean, George Lucas based a lot of it off that kind of like 1930s serial, like Flash Gordon and that kind of stuff, right? And it has a very much of a feel of all those very iconic heroes and villains. So that's a great place to be looking if you're interested, like for characters and that kind of stuff. Totally. Tons of it. Anywhere. You can get... Anywhere. Anywhere. (laughs) 
Yeah. Here's one I'm going to throw at you. Uh, again, back to Mr. Ralph Bakshi again. But this is Bakshi and Frank Frazetta, who's one of my all-time favorite painters. Frazetta is like incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Fire and Ice, uh, the animated film that they did, uh, early 80s. Um, so phenomenal. And there's a character in there that I totally love, and it's Dark Wolf. Yeah. And he is like the bar- – he is really, truly like the barbarian. Um, love the imagery, again, with that, kind of that wolf head type thing he yeah, wears. Yeah. Um, but his character is so great in that movie, like so amazing. Uh, love that, love that. If you, you guys haven't seen that, I highly recommend that as well. And again, super rotoscope. They filmed almost the whole movie with principal actors and actresses and then reanimated it over top of all those cells, like redrew it all. So the movements are very fluid and very, look very real. Yeah. And the villain in that movie is just amazing. Yeah. yeah. So scary. Yeah. And, and that's what we talked about earlier. You have to have a good villain. And you can have the best hero in the world, but if the villain doesn't match the hero, it lets it all down. You got to have a great yeah. villain. Agreed. Cool. All right. What else you got? Um, This is actually one of my favorite fantasy movies. Uh, it's called Stardust. You know what? I've not seen it. Um, I know my pops absolutely loves it and has recommended it so many times to me and I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, watch it, Sean. It's a really good one. I will. I'll have to. (laughs) And I think you've talked about it before, too, and said you really like it. Yeah. There's a ton of ton of big actors in it, too, if I remember correctly, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, like like Michelle Pfeiffer, I think is in it, right? And uh, Robert De Niro. Niro, yeah. Like it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll have to catch up. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. Well, I won't do too many spoilers here, but go for it. What 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 do you like about it? What are the things that really turn you on? Well, the uh, the person that you're protecting. So like this is something you can take, put in your D and D game is like literally a star that fell from the sky. Mm, that's cool. Like basically a God, right? That's yeah. on earth. And then the, like different factions looking for the same thing. So in the movie, there's a whole bunch of different groups. They're looking for the same item. Uh, there's a cool magic candle in that, that uh, you light it and you think somewhere it teleports you great distances. Oh, cool. And then, of course, when you use it, it burns a little, right? Because it's a candle. So it'd just be a cool, like, fast travel item you could put in your D&D game. So players can abuse it, but it'd give them one or two fast travels. And maybe, like, the further you travel, the more it gets used up. Yeah. That's cool. I thought that was cool. But, yeah, I'll leave this. I'll keep it spoiler free. But, yeah, definitely check it out. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I will. Like I said, on my list for sure. Um, Okay, so this one is uh, one you just mentioned earlier, Heavy Metal. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I did go see that at the theater when it came out. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, her sister worked as a theater attendant. And so she just let us into movies because like that came out as a like R rated, like, you know, and yeah, oh, we yeah. were like, I think we we're like 14 or 15 or something stupid, but she let us in. Uh, I'm a big heavy metal fan. Uh, I have a, I have about a hundred heavy, heavy metal magazines, like from first issue way back in the seventies. Um, Love the, the, th- the whole theme to heavy metal magazines were very story driven. So it'd be like a bunch of stories that would be serialized that you'd read over different episodes. And so they wanted to try and capture that in a movie. And so the movie itself has about six or seven different mini stories all within it, which is cool with a kind of common theme throughout it. And the last story is the one that I wanted to talk about. And it's um, the amazing, amazing, she's kind of like, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, kind of like the um, Amazon type um female character and her name's Tarna, uh, a Targaryen. Um, and she's just insane. Like this ultimate female warrior, badass, um, probably really bad sexualizing female, you know, body type stuff. I get that. Uh, but she's incredible. And she flies this crazy looking bird 
duck type thing. Um, so amazing. <laughs> like, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, and the villain in that is so twisted and bad and sick. He's like, you know, a, a, a commander general guy. And then there's this weird uh, bubbling, uh, goopy ooze. And they all get lost in it. And they, they come up out of the ooze and they've changed. They become evil and twisted. And yeah, just sick. So good. Um, phenomenal. Highly recommend that for people. And uh, I did really enjoy, again, this is early 80s, and such a strong, strong female character, which is quite amazing for that time. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, no, those, and then the soundtrack, too. Oh, come it's on. Like unbeatable. Yeah. <laughs> come on. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. So many fantastic artists, yeah, like Cheap Trick, um, uh, members of the Eagles uh, uh, on there, um, Sammy Hagar. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's endless. Like, there's so many great, great songs on there. Yeah. And then like the bad guy throughout the whole thing is like the embodiment of evil. That's right. Yeah. Like the ultimate bad guy is like that green orb, right? And it's just how it, how it possesses and, you know, changes people. And that's kind of like the continual thing through all the stories. So phenomenal. Yeah. Great. So I don't know. I kind of find that you can, if like have a, not like a very dynamic, dynamic, like villain as long, like if he's evil, if you go all the way with it, he can kind of be one-sided. Yeah, yeah, because they're so far gone. Mm-hmm. It's hard, it's tricky, to, trickier to play off, but if you can, it's terrifying. Yeah, another one that I really like as well is the um, the two guy thing. So there's the the front man who they're seeing, they're fighting, they're doing, but then they don't even realize that he's the ultimate bad guy. Like, do you mean he's the face of the bad guy in essence? And so they defeat that guy. They think they've won everything, and then realize, oh shit we just got rid of the right-hand man. There's still a big, big bad dude. And I love that. If they, if you never let on that there's the big bad dude, there's just this bad guy they're fighting and he's strong and they have to you know go up levels to get there and eventually they defeat him thinking everything's good and nope, you've just kind of scratched the surface. Yeah. I, I love that. That's a great one to throw at your characters because your player's are like, what? I thought we just won. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you won the battle, but you didn't win the war. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, I just got one more for my list. Uh, okay. Dragonlance. Come on, baby. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <coughs> That's we awesome. From before, all the heroes, all the villains are amazing. There's, yeah. It's literally based in a D&D world. So yeah. Yeah. if you read the books or watch the cartoon or whatever, there's literally everything in there to steal. That's awesome. I think the biggest thing I could say about Dragonlance and and this is to me like the biggest compliment I can give it is that it's extremely well balanced. Like it, it's, it's really, really done so well with characters on both sides of the fence, right? Like so many great heroes and then so many good villains, like even down to like, like few master toad, right. Who's just this creepy, gross, everyone knows a jerk like that type of guy. Um, and he's an, he's a nothing character almost. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and I love that there's so much on both sides of the fence They they didn't, because again, we said it's very easy to lean on the heroes and forget about making your bad guys, but all their bad guys are very in depth, lots of story. Um, it's really, like your favorite Soth has his whole own agenda. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's just kind of running in parallel with the stuff, but he's got his own stuff going on, and that's that's amazing to be writing characters like that. Yeah, and like all the villains have redeeming qualities, and a yeah. lot of the heroes have flaws too. So it makes yep. it a lot more realistic too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. If you can write a villain 
that actually makes people question how bad they are. Like they could be doing horrible things, but when you find out why they're doing them and you're like, well, they shouldn't really be killing, you know, those people. But you know what? At the same time, yeah. I get I get why they're doing it. And if you can do that with a villain, forget it. You, you have knocked it out the park because then all of a sudden it makes them become more – I know human isn't the best term because they might not be human. But you know what I mean? Like makes them more realistic and understand that, oh, there is complexity to the story. And they're not just killing in the sake of killing. There's a reason why they're doing it. And all of a sudden that makes a really interesting story. Yeah. Uh, Raceland, like even six novels in, I was like – I. I don't know if I'm cheering for this guy or, you know. <laughs> and how great is that? Because he's on the side of the good, you know. And yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. that's and that's probably for me something I should pay more attention to because we've had this discussion before where I said that I don't like I don't like player characters that are evil. And I think my qualifier there should be more like I don't like a evil party. Mm-hmm. I think if your party is like you know. You got five people playing, four of them are good characters, and one is neutral leaning evil or whatever. That is probably okay. I wouldn't want to DM a group of just evil people running around and killing just for the sake of killing. That, that I'd have no interest in that. That's not a thing for me. Um, but the Raceland side where it's like maybe one member is a bit off, that's probably pretty cool. Yeah. I find evil one shots are pretty fun though. If you're only playing for a couple hours and yeah. it's pretty just watching player because you just sit back as a DM and you just watch everyone cross each other. And, you know, they're not a party at all. <laughs> That's terrible. Love it. Um, sadly, buddy, I have quite a few more on my list. So are we okay just awesome. kind of going and we'll just yeah, chat about yeah. them? These are all yeah. things that you know of. So um, the next one for me is Highlander. Oh, yeah. There can right? only be one. That's exactly it. And you know what? It is such a great story. Like, Again, this whole idea, like you said, there can only be one of this, you know, kind of diminishing the the cast of that story as it goes through where they're kind of wiping each other out, wiping each other out. Um, For me, I love the idea of all these different mixed generational swords. So when you had these sword fights, you'd have people, one guy fighting with like an old, you know, bastard sword and somebody else with like a katana or something. That was really neat. The idea of these different generations would be fighting. And, uh, and then the Kurgan, I mean, come on, is that a much better villain? Like he is so epic and so twisted and there's so much about his character that's so deep and thick, uh, you know, um, he goes and he kills, um, Connor's, uh, beautiful, his wife who he absolutely loves, but he thought it was actually Sean Connery's wife and he didn't realize. And later on he finds out and he tells him, and there's this epic moment from that. And it's just like, that's great storytelling, you know, um, walking through the church and swearing and blah, making faces <laughs> at everybody. And it's just like, so insane. Like, oh my God, if you haven't seen that movie, watch, watch that movie because there's so many great characters in that phenomenal. Yeah, no, agreed. I got a fun fact about that. So about 15 years ago. Oh, or, or, is, or, well, or is that a fantasy factoid? No, definitely okay. not. It's not? Okay. <laughs> no. About 15 years ago. Well, it's kind of a fantasy factoid for me. <laughs> but I was uh, making an Xbox account. Okay. And I tried to get the name Epic Jim. Mm-hmm. And it was already taken. Okay. So I emailed the gamer take epic gym and i said there can only be one and i said that all in caps <laughs> that's all i said <laughs> never got a response <laughs> oh don't make me laugh that's awesome oh all right i'm gonna take my halls candy oh that's great there can only be one 
Um, I, I imagine you've seen this movie. It's early 80s. Uh, ironically, we were talking about Industrial Light and Magic. They did the animation of this. They did stop-motion graphics to create the creature. And the movie's called Dragon Slayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, like I said, early 80s and about this um, almost nothing of a person who winds up having to go and try and kill a dragon. Great movie. Um, but the dragon is so awesome. Like, again, a super great villain. Um Really portrayed well in the movie. Great visuals, even for the early 80s. Um, and it's some of the early computer CGI stuff. Uh, really, really cool. Um, yeah, I, again, it's probably more stop motion than just CGI, I should really say. But uh, great, great stuff. I would I recommend that as a movie, too. Um, and again, lean on your villains. Make your villains epic and huge and have so much dynamic to them. And then your game will be so much better. Yeah. And any movie, like you got Dragonheart. So you got a good guy, Dragon. He'd be a great one to pull from. Uh, the totally. movie Reign of Fire with yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Like where it's one. where it's more like you're a dragon hunter. That's cool. That'd be a really good one for inspiration. Fun to play characters where you start your characters are like level 15 and you're dragon hunters, you know, yeah. and that'd be a cool campaign. Yeah. Um, I listed Willow. So <laughs> I haven't watched the new series yet. They just had uh, just released the uh, last uh, series finale for it. So I'm going to start watching that. But the original movie, um, I absolutely loved Val Kilmer's character, uh, Mad Mardigan. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was a really fun hero. He's like that hapless hero. The, the person hero kind of. Yeah, he just kind of <laughs> falls into being a hero because he's not, right? Um, and he tries so hard to not be the hero. Uh, and uh, yeah, phenomenal. Really, really cool. Very, very well played. Um, there's some really fun sword play. I love when he stands there and he's like, oh, and he spins his sword and then he slips on his ass because he's like <laughs> not on good ground. Um, beautiful stuff. Uh, a great, great movie with some really, really cool stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. You really find you, they find him in the cage at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, totally. Great, right. What a great start. Hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about Pirates of the Caribbean? Mm, yeah. Jack again, Sparrow. <laughs> oh, Jack Sparrow. I mean, again, not of our not of our D&D world. But not a stretch at all to think of a, a pirate-type basing. I did actually play a pirate-based D&D game before. That was a lot of fun. Um, but like I said, Jack Sparrow is such a great character, and I think that's easy for people to, to think of him as that that character in the movie and think how you can portray that as your own character, how you can put some fun stuff into that. Where I mean, he pretty much plays a drunk in the film, um, <laughs> but you don't have to be drunk in your character, but how your character can have some kind of really cool essence to them that is, you know, quirky or different or you know add some fun to it and um that movie well those movies are just full of high adventure and high fun and just so much that you could translate from that into a game with the different traps and the mechanisms and all that kind of stuff oh yeah and uh yeah same thing he's like an anti-hero he totally is right (laughs) kind of that good guy one day bad guy the next um okay what about this um let's uh We'll do one more and then we'll take a quick break. Um, this is an interesting one. Hellboy. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome I one. Love that movie. Uh, the first one, the second one's pretty good, but the first one is so amazing. But what for me, when I started thinking about it, like, what, why do I really like it? And what I thought about is in, in a D&D sense is that that's such a great example of taking somebody who's not human, a different race as the lead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool, this idea of Hellboy being the main character and it could be like, you know, that's like, it's a tiefling or if it's an orc or something like that, who, and you can see how well you could have a character that doesn't have to be human to be that main character type thing. And, um, again, this really sassy, fun, 
great character and you can throw elements of that into your um you know into your game so easily which would be really cool oh yeah like put in a backstory where the they find out that you're you know your dad is satan or whatever just like totally Hellboy, right <laughs> we're like totally. well, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow <laughs> that kind of sucks yeah. <laughs> my day was going so good till I heard that. <laughs> um, yeah, hundred percent. You do need stuff like that, you know, or you know, the idea that they find Hellboy and he's raised as this little creature, right? Like that could have been your character, you know, um, do some kind of cool tiefling and his father is this evil, evil demon or something. Uh, and he manages to somehow he's out of that, you know, plane of existence and gets raised by some people, uh, maybe raised by the Fae or something really cool. And that's your character 20 years later. And then yeah. you start finding these things out about your past and there's a direct connection to that. That'd be really great as a character. So yeah, some cool things. Um, all right. Why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come back and kind of finish this off. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Fantasy factoid. Did you know that in the film Die Hard, Bruce Willis's character's messy, dirty undershirt was actually put together from 17 different versions in varying degrees of distress and ugly messiness. Wow. Pretty incredible. Hats off to the costume department. Hey guys, we are back from our little break there. Uh, today we're just talking about different fantasy movies and characters and villains. Um, here's one gem that I am a big fan of, and it's the film The Princess Bride, which I think is yeah. just such a great movie. Um, but I, I think of this idea again, if you're, if you wanted to try and create something for your character or a backstory, something as a motivation. And so a character on a mission, you know, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Right. Like how amazing yeah. is that? That is, you're just going around looking for the guy that killed your father. Like that's such a great, uh, a backstory for a character. And, uh, I absolutely love that. Mandy Patankin played that character so, so very well. Um, some of the sword fighting scenes in that film was so great, over the top, but just epic. Um, you know, it was inconceivable. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's great. It's a, it's so good. Andre the Giant, like so many good things yeah. about that. That's yeah, such a it. classic fantasy movie. Totally right. Like, and there's so many things in there that are completely D and D related. Like, I'm trying to remember what is it when they're in the um, the swamps of I can't even remember what it's called now. And oh, those, uh, yeah, those yeah. weird, you know, and there's the eels and the smokes things come out, and it, there's just. If you watch that movie, there's so many things you could take from that that you could use in a game for sure, you know? Yeah. So cool. Um, you, you mentioned you had something, a, a game or something. Uh, yeah, uh, like the Witcher games or the show or the books or whatever. <laughs> right. Geralt of Rivia, he's such an awesome uh, hero because he's, he's not down with any villains, you know? No, no. So. And I think, again, he kind of falls a little bit also into that kind of um, – I'm a hero, but I don't want to be a hero category, mm -hmm. right? Which is really yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. Mon uh, monster Hunter. Yeah, definitely Monster Hunter. I mean, he does doubt, like, I don't know. He, he just hates all evil. So if it's a little bit evil or lots of evil, but sometimes you got to work with the evil to yeah. get the bigger evil, you know? What's the name of the main, the female magic user that they have? Uh, Yennevar. I thought that was a really interesting character. Um, I didn't play the video games, um, admitting that, um, more just based on watching the Netflix series. But I do love how um, they showed that real, a lot of times with magic users, it's just kind of like, all of a sudden I know magic, you know, but they really mm. did a great job showing this progression, how she learned and how it took time and the toll on her that it took, kind of like the Raceland idea, how much yeah. it took to get to those levels of magic. I think that's fascinating when they do stuff like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. You could take anything from that show or books or video game and throw them in your D and D campaign. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Um, okay. I just have a couple left on the list here. First one. I think this is the absolute perfect setting for a one shot, um, to incorporate this into your game. The film alien. Oh um, yeah. Love the idea. Like, and, and of course, like the alien is like this amazing evil villain, right? Like it's just, I am going to kill. That's all I'm doing. I kill. That's hi. Hello. Nice to meet you. I kill. That's my job. Um, but the idea that they're stuck in this spaceship out in space where no one can hear you scream. Um, and they're just stuck on the ship and there's this alien sneaking around, taking out people one by one. Like what a fascinating thing. And so I think if you had some kind of campaign where you did a one shot and you had people trapped inside of something, they got to try and find a way out. And there's something stalking them throughout it, something or some things. Um, that would be a cool kind of one shot that you could play off the alien kind of idea. There is an alien board game, and I'm pretty sure that there's an alien uh, RPG game. I think there well. is, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they. Totally. it's so good that they did it. <laughs> they did it. Yeah. yeah. I think you could take it and just take the idea, the concept, like not really. It doesn't even have to be an alien, like the alien creature the xenomorph it could be something else but you could um you know do that kind of concept where you do a one shot have your they're trapped in some kind of dungeon they got to find their way out and something's hunting them and that would be kind of a cool thing throw some npcs in with the, with your players and the npcs are getting knocked off one at a time by the thing that's hunting them uh it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like the thing as well uh same kind of idea which is another great movie um then the Pro last one I, cave yeah exactly right <laughs> the last one that i had on my list is not too far from alien but it's also um predator which I think mm. is a neat idea, right? Where you got a, a really good story where this group of people are hunted by a super race. And that could be a longer standing kind of game campaign, <laughs> excuse me, where um, your players are being hunted by some kind of crazy superior race, which would be kind of cool. And so they've got to really be careful. They've got, there's a normal story going on, but every once in a while, one of these hunters comes into contact with them, which would be kind of neat. And you could, uh, kind of play something like that out too which would be kind of cool let's uh let's bring it back warforge it's warforges that put some upgrades on themselves right so they can hire right? people there <laughs> yeah I, I think there's a whole thing there like and and if anyone's ever gets like you were saying jim stuck for ideas or trying to figure out something to do man just pick a movie and then pick it apart what makes it tick and don't you don't have to copy it, but you take elements from it, take cues from it and see what they did and how they made a villain and the story and what's the connections and how does it connect to the quote unquote good guys. And yeah, there you go. There's a, there's a, your next uh, adventure done. Yeah. Yeah. Like any, like I was just right now, I just thought of it uh, like speed the, with Keanu Reeves mm. in mm, the bus. Mm, mm. Have that in a D and D campaign, but you're in like a, uh, ship or whatever you know totally like a spell jam spell jammer <laughs> yeah, ship. spell jammer ship and you're just keep it going we can't stop <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you can literally take any movie and figure out kind of what the main plot is for the movie and figure out how you kind of twist it into a D style world so that'd be kind of cool yeah so um just before we kind of sign off on this main topic uh i did want to bring up something that's very in vogue because we have been through this whole uh, segment here talking, everything we say is into your D&D campaign, into your D&D, D&D, D&D. And um, I watched something yesterday, and it was a couple of members of the Critical Role group. And they were on some kind of um, YouTube show where they play um, very famous known songs like Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And the three panel members from Critical Role are wearing headphones, and they're listening to the music, and you're not allowed to sing or dance. 
you're not allowed to kind of move to the music. You just have to sit there and be totally. And if you do any of that, you get an X, you're out, and they see who can survive through the, the portion of the song. It's just a silly little thing. It was fun to watch. But what I thought was interesting is when they um, kind of described themselves, they didn't say D&D. They said that, hey, we are, you know, a bunch of nerdy-ass voice actors, uh, which is very common. They usually say we're a bunch of nerdy-ass voice actors who sit around and play Dungeons and Dragons. That's what they say at the beginning of every show. What they said on here is they say play role-playing games. And I really noticed it was one of the first parts where I kind of really noticed them not connecting themselves to Dungeons and Dragons, which is interesting. So you're probably guessing where I'm going here a little bit with the whole, um, you know, OGL uh, stuff going on in Dungeons and Dragons. For any of you guys out there who are not, I mean, I'd be shocked if you haven't heard about it, but um, Dungeons and Dragons took their uh, gaming license that was written quite a while ago, over 10 years ago, uh, and wanted to rewrite it. And it spun the D&D world community into a tizzy uh, because it was seen maybe as a money grab. Uh, it really affected larger, you know, third-party companies like a Critical Role who does make money off of using Dungeons and Dragons. It would not affect, you know, like I make money technically from Dungeons and Dragons because I build train for people and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't make money from Dungeons and Dragons. I build train that's used in D&D games that have no bearing on me. Um, but for a lot of people who play the game, it felt it had bearing on them because it felt like it was taking their game away from them. Some of the writing had indicated that maybe people who wrote uh, modules that it might become ownership of uh, Wizards of the Coast, the stuff they're writing. Anyways, this thing blew up and um, it kind of went to a point where a fairly big person on um, in the in the D and D world, uh, Ginny, um, who's done some really great videos and all that kind of stuff, said, "Hey, just if you are uh, subscribed to D and D Beyond and pay a monthly fee, stop. Just tell them we 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 don't agree with this." And boy, it, it did send out a message because I get really. They were losing subscribers like crazy amounts. And uh, I think behind the scenes, some of the big players like A Critical Role and a few of those probably said something. And um, apparently it looks like that Wizards of the Coast has apologized. They've gone back on everything that they said. We're not going to rewrite it, they said, etc. Um, and there's a lot of people saying like, oh, the you know, we won. The, 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 the D&D players mm-hmm. won. It was us that managed to kind of bend the machine. Um, I think... I've already seen backlash on people saying, well, that's what Wizards of the Coast is saying now. Um, sorry, guys, I really took this from a fun show down to a quite a serious topic, but it's just been on my mind. Um, and there are a lot of people now saying, like, well, that's what Wizards of the Coast is saying now. What are they going to say six months or a year from now? Are they, you know?" And I think I'm very interested to see how poisoned the water is now from what Wizards of the Coast has done. And I really don't find it hard to think that it was a bunch of... Um, suits sitting in a room who said what these third-party companies like a critical role are making millions of dollars using D related materials and we're not really getting a chunk of that that's insane we want we want our chunk and i i don't have proof on that but i have a feeling that's what it was and so they wanted to rewrite the rules to make sure that they're getting a chunk of their 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 foreseen monies um i think it's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths uh, another clip I saw had uh, Marisha and Matt from Critical Role talking about that they have been talking and investigating their own uh, RPG system. So I would not be surprised if within a year Critical Role is not using D&D. They're using their own Critical Role RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if that happened. 
uh, Matthew Colville, who's a huge member in the D&D world, um, they had announced they were writing their own RPG series uh, system. I think you're going to see a bunch of stuff spring up. I don't know if it's good or bad. I tend to worry that all of a sudden the game becomes very fractured and different people are playing different versions of games and so it actually becomes a little bit more difficult to get people. The one thing about D&D is that everybody plays, if you play D&D, you could sit at any table and you ba- you know the basic rules you can play. But if everybody's playing different tabletop games, it becomes a little bit difficult. So anyways, I'm sorry, Jim, I'm rambling at this point, but it has been on my mind. It's been a while since you and I chatted. Um, do you have any initial thoughts or any feelings on how this all has gone down or what are your opinions? Yeah, no, that's good to hear what you thought about all of it. Um, and like, of course, like you said, it's so like Wizards of the Coast that owns D&D is owned by Hasbro. Right. The company that makes Monopoly. Right. Right. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's kind of their MO. Um, yeah. Yeah. The war is definitely very tainted. I've seen like a ton of people that just dropped D&D and just went to Pathfinder. Yeah. Where they really screwed up is... They don't like D&D doesn't own storytelling. Yeah. They don't own storytelling. They don't own dice. They don't uh, like all the logistics of that. It's just kind of the name brand of it. Yeah. And they were in a really good spot with all these third party people that were bringing everyone to D&D. But now if since it's tainted and I can tell you to go play Pathfinder or whatever, it's all the same. Yeah, it is. Um, And because we've said so many times that the rules the mechanics of the game are not the game. The mm-hmm. game is the players having fun creating adventures. That's the game. The mechanics of it are just the things that help the game proceed technically. So you can replace them with any, you know. It's like going from 3-5 to playing 5. You're, you know, you're playing a different game foundation in a way. Um, but you're it's not about that. You're, we did that in our game. We we jumped from 3-5 to 5 and our game stayed the same. In, in the sense of like we're still playing and still doing kind of the same things, the mechanics of how we do that changed a little. So if we jumped out of Pathfinder, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't make a big difference in our game. It'd just be a little bit different the way technical things happened, but the game would still be the same in the way we create adventures. And I am a little concerned that D and D has you know really like I said really poisoned the water. And I, again, I think it was just some idiot suits <clears throat> trying to grab onto some money who didn't understand how the system really works and. It has been a lot of third-party people like the Critical Roles, the Matt Colvilles, um, the uh, Cobalt Press, these kind of people who've done amazing work to get people on board. There's more people playing D&D now than ever, you know, um, and I'm worried that they may have sullied the name and then soon we might not be saying D&D anymore, which as a 40-year player of Dungeons & Dragons and other role-playing games, that, that kind of makes me feel sad that, you know, that it might be that it's at its height and it might be in some ways might be crashing. It'll always be there, but it might not be the popularity it's had. And they might have kind of, you know, shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. But I mean, you'll still call it D and D. Well, that's the thing, you know, like we still, yeah, it's all weird. And, and I I don't, you know, I, I'm not even sure totally why I brought it up other than I know it has been on my mind. Uh, you and I haven't chatted for a while uh, with this cold. I've just been out of it. Um, and this has really kind of come to kind of really come to head and, uh, We'll see what happens now going forward. But um, there was one part of me also thought, was it just a publicity stunt? Did they like say all this just to even blow the name up more? And if it is, they say even bad publicity is good publicity, but I don't think so. I think there seems to be so many people right now that are just banging on get off D&D. Screw them. I'm done. Mm-hmm. 
you know, um, and that's kind of sad. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see where this goes. But anyways. no, they def- definitely did because they backpedaled hard like two days yeah. later. And then this is, it's wild that the D and D movie comes out next month. I, I think. know, I know. <laughs> like to do that kind of bad PR, like right before a, like Hollywood movie release. It's crazy, right? Like, are there going to be? Will we start seeing? You know, people protesting saying, "Don't go and see the new D and D movie." Right, because yeah, it has I've left seen a, a lot of that. Right, like screw them. Don't support them. This is what they did to us. Don't support them. There's people just jumping off. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 kind of sad, and I, so I kind of wanted to bring it up because it has a huge bearing on um, on our world and on what we do. So I thought it was important to bring it up. But um, uh, yeah, and I kind of feel a little bad bringing it up because I feel like we kind of took a fun segment that was funny, and I've kind of brought a bunch of uh, kind of downer to it. So I'm sorry for doing that, but um, I think it just needed to be talked about. Yeah, I think a big thing with that too was uh, like D&D 1 or 6, wherever you want to call it, the new D&D. Yeah. They want it mostly um, like online. Yeah, the virtual tabletop, right? Yeah, and they want it microtransactions, right? They want it to go the way of video games. They want it. Yeah. You want want some goblins in your game, you buy the goblin pack for $2.99 or you want whatever, right? That's lots more money for them. And yeah, they're, they're really betting the farm on this. Um, I read a thing saying that they really, really wished they'd had it a few years ago prior to the pandemic because then it would have been perfect timing because everyone's stuck at home. Uh-huh. Everybody could have played D&D online. Um, I don't know. Even if you're playing virtually, I would still rather see my players' faces and either, you know, crappy roll 20. Sorry, roll 20, but your system is crappy. Um, crappy roll 20 and my players' faces than seeing a, a crazy-looking video game. You know what I mean? Like, I just... That's not D&D to me. Um, yeah. And I know it looks phenomenal. I saw stuff like, you know, Magic User, and you walk forward, and you cast a spell, and the thing erupts and does all these crazy things, like a video game would. But it's... That's not D&D, man. Like, um, sometimes I feel guilty putting really cool terrain down on the table because it takes away from the, you know, the theater of the mind. But oh my goodness, playing a like a video game version is the furthest <laughs> thing from theater of the mind. It's just like there, there's no there's no mind. It's all just blatant and right in front of you. So um, yeah, that'll appeal to some people for sure, video game culture people. Um, but to proper, ooh, that was a bad word to say. To old school players of D and D, I don't <laughs> think there's going to be a lot of um, you know interest in going down that path. Personally, no, but like and I don't. It, it might work like once we're all dead, you know, like once, you know, and maybe, you know, Ooh, 30, so 40, 40 years and we're not playing D and D anymore. We can't. Are you saying, anymore. are you saying there's a conspiracy that wizards of the coast is going to try and start killing old school players? Is that what you just said, Jim? <laughs> TPK. <laughs> the true TPK. Yeah. Anyways. Like someday it might work, but yeah, as long as there's old school players or yeah. anyone that just loves paper, paper and pen it's not going to happen so totally well any of you out there listening to us ramble here um if you have any thoughts on that and what's been going on please drop us a line uh how can they drop us a line jim they can email us at crystalball at 13sideddie.com yes they can uh please do let us know your thoughts on this and uh, we have had a few people mention some really nice things which has been great uh thanks so much guys and uh I guess we should probably wrap it up there and uh, we're going to do a little short segment today, aren't we? On, um, I think we're doing um, Not Sponsored. Is that today? Not Sponsored, yeah. Not Sponsored. Cool. All right. Let's go do it. All right. 
Are you looking for a D&D podcast with a dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old-school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. Hey guys, that was John, our good friend from Tale of the Manticore. A phenomenal, phenomenal podcast. You should really tune in and listen. Um, but any of you else out there, if you are listening and have your own podcast, we would love to uh, advertise for you on here. It's not too expensive. Uh, we just have to get together in a virtual uh, D&D session and you have to pay 300 gold. To- no, it's absolutely free. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Get in touch with us, crystalball at 13sideddie.com, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Thanks, everybody. Not sponsored. Hey, friends. We are going to chat today about a couple of products, things that we are really enjoying. Uh, We're not sponsored uh, by the manufacturers. They're more than welcome to sponsors if they want. Are you okay with that? Yeah, they're not sponsored yet. Yet. We should change Mm -hmm. the title, not sponsored (laughs) yet. Um, Awesome. Uh, What do you have, Jim? I think we're going to do like about three things each. What what is uh, the first one on your list? Sure. All right. I'll do a really big, crazy, expensive one first. Uh, Toothpicks. Ooh. Uh, Toothpicks for, you know, hobbying. Uh, I've been using them to do eyes on minis now. What what kind of toothpicks? The round, round pointy ones or the flat? flat ones like what kind of shape a toothpick uh i've been using round but i just I for like years i didn't i don't know like i have toothpicks around obviously but yeah. i just put a, a little box of them in my hobby kit yep and i also have been using the hell out of them yeah no you're right I, I have toothpicks on my desk with me at all times i keep a little tiny shot glass because i use toothpicks all the times for glue as well like wood glue and so then I just throw them in there when I'm using them. I have a collection with like they have different size dollops of dried wood glue on them. Um, no, round toothpicks are the bomb. You use them all the time. Yeah. Unclogging like glue or paint. Everything. Just grab yeah. that. So that's mixing things, <clears throat> keeping things in place like when you're crafting. Yep. So many uses. And then just actually using them in terrain. Like a lot of times I'll build ladders and we use them as the cross braces on ladders, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. That's a good one. I like it. <laughs> Let's get sponsored for toothpicks. Yeah. That doesn't matter the brand. We'll even do our compliments or whatever, you know? Totally. Actually, I have a Tupperware container and it's just all full of wood product. So anytime I go to the dollar store, I buy like toothpicks, coffee stirrers, skewers, mm. anything. Like oh, I have all different kinds of wood products you buy for like a buck at the dollar store because you can use all of them for different things. So super cheap. Uh, the thing I wanted to talk about um, I've been working on a project for my brother, um, another good movie called War Games, Matthew Broderick. And in the film, there's a kind of like a supercomputer called the Whopper, the W-O-P-R. Um, and I wanted to make one for him. And so there's some electronics inside of it. And I picked up this box uh, from a um, like a hobby store. And it's made by a company called BPS. And it's called the Junior Genius Kits. And it's called Blinky Lights. And it's an introduction to the world of electronics using real world parts. And so it's like a kit and it has what they call a breadboard, which is a 
plastic board with lots of holes in it and they're kind of connected by internal structure and you put different wires in it and different diodes and different uh, capacitors and your LED lights and all this stuff and then you put, hook it up to electricity and uh, then it comes a little power pack and then you can see where you can make these lights do different things and you use this to figure out what combinations you can put together and so I use this kit all the time when I have to put something in my like a flashing light or something in my system that I'm building and so I got it at a hobby store love the little kit it's silly and nothing but it's a lot of fun and so, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And you just get a little book with all these like tutorials and it shows you how to set it all up. And then once you get it figured out, you can use those components to make the real thing. And so, yeah, it's kind of fun. Oh, awesome. There you go. What do you got next, buddy? Uh, my next one is uh, Warhammer minis. Oh, you've been painting um, Fury up, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, they're just, they're so good. It's funny. Um, for lots of this too. Games Workshop, they own Warhammer. And there's all these funny memes going around, like all these people that are upset about, you know, the OGL and Wizards of the Coast not treating their people good. And they're like, oh, first time. (laughs) Games Workshop is like notoriously bad for treating their customers bad and always jacking up the prices. And but in their defense, they can. They no one really does minis more detailed than Games Workshop. No. No, I contacted the local Games Workshop in Calgary. And said, hey, my name is Sean. I make terrain. That's kind of what I do. Uh, you guys have a, you're already laughing. <laughs> you <Yeah>. guys have, <laughs> you guys have a great store. I've walked by it. So, you know, looked at it so many times that, and you guys great train. I don't know if you'd have any interest in me bringing some of my stuff in. Maybe you want to display it. Maybe there's some kind of synergy there. And like, uh, you'd have to talk to our parent company in Europe. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, okay, sure. Cool. Uh, I'll get right on that. <laughs> They're yeah. so like locked down. It's crazy. Yeah, well, that's a lot nicer of a story than I thought it was going to go. But I thought they were just going to tell you up yours or something. But I think they did, but just in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But honestly, though, like they're beautiful minis, and there's some real cool ones. Yeah. So you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're like a new painter and you've kind of been uh, leveling up your skills and you want to kind of take it to the next level and really push it, like I suggest getting one of them. Well, and I would say, Jim, too, in our um, previous campaign, I wanted to have a really cool, like, big, bad, evil guy at the end of it. And I couldn't find the mini that represented what I wanted. I'm like, wait a minute. So I went down to Century Box and started looking through, like I said, the Warhammer stuff. And I came across this really cool wraithy type figure, which is, like, probably, I, I don't know, in the Warhammer world, probably doesn't mean anything. But <laughs> for me in D&D, he was sick. He was perfect, very wispy and eerie and creepy. And it's like, that is exactly it. So... It worked, and I brought him home. Like I said, I was shocked at the quality of the the pieces, like so clean and so detailed. And I, you know, snapped them together, a little bit of glue here and there, and boom. And then I painted him up, and he looked amazing. So if you're a D and D person and you're looking for a, a classic figure for some specific reason, check out some of the Warhammer stuff because they have some crazy things. You're going to pay a little bit more, obviously, but it's worth it if it's a kind of a big special event type thing. Yeah. And like I was going to say, like, I got two Warhammer armies. I've never played Warhammer in my life. <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't, I, I get them for D&D. If I play Warhammer, cool. Yeah. That'll be fun, but I'm not yeah. holding my breath. So I just love go. how they look. <laughs> <laughs> Coughing some more. Sorry. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, both Jim and I at Christmas uh, independently got uh, air compressors, airbrushes for Christmas presents, which is kind of cool. Yeah, And I'm super happy with mine. Um, the compressor brand is called ROHS, and my model is TC 
320 is the model number of the compressor. I don't, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and uh, the main airbrush I've been using is called a Master Airbrush uh, Model G22. And I've really been enjoying um, playing around with it. I haven't done a lot yet. Uh, that big uh, three-story tavern I did, I got to do some really cool stuff on the outside of it, weathering it, um, which actually reminded me back when we did your tavern and you had posted some pictures recently of some of the minis in front of it. And I think I realized it was getting short on time and the outside of your tavern is very clean. Like it's, it's a very clean looking tavern. And maybe you like that, but what I was thinking, maybe one day when you're back in town, Maybe bring it with you and we'll go in the studio and we'll get the airbrush out and I can airbrush <laughs> some uh, kind of rougher details into it and make it look a little bit older and weathered, which would be kind of cool. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, think about it. But anyways, I, I'm really enjoying the airbrush. I don't um, I don't know if I could ever do minis with it because I'm just blown away with the – I've seen people use airbrush on minis and stuff. That's crazy. But for larger train stuff, I can see it's going to be really cool. I'm very excited to get it. So thanks, Mrs. Ardenor, for picking that up for me. Loving it. Yeah. Uh, with airbrushes too, with minis, I've seen people use like a sticky tack and sticky tack the things off that you don't want to spray or yeah. use tape. That's cool. So that that would work, right? Even if you just want to do all their shoes black or whatever, you just put some yeah. tape over them and do a quick over. And That's then, cool. Very cool. So. Um, have you found it's been really saving you time when you've been using it? I've only used it a couple of times. I don't know if it's going to save me time, but I'll tell you that the weathering effect I got on that tavern I have tried to do with a brush before and I've never been able to create it to that effect. I just have not been able to do it with a brush. Um, If I do it as a dry brush technique, it, it's hard. It's very surface and it's not really covering it. Well, if I do it as washes, they're too wet and they're just running down the thing. and They don't really look like they're, I have to go over them like two or three times and it doesn't look very good. Airbrush. Nope. Just go in there. I went with a a kind of a nice golden color and then went orangey gold and went over it with a brown Oh, it just looks so amazing. Exactly what I want it to look like. Um, so maybe a time saver. Like I haven't started trying painting things with it. I just wanted to do it. I think it, for me, it's going to be a highlighter. It's going to be something I'm going to do. Um, like I've got Erebor on the bench right now, the gates of Erebor. And I'm doing all the stone work and everything like that. Ere, the gates of Erebor look very, they has almost like a kind of a coppery patina to it, like that green patina. So I'm going to be trying to shoot some of that on it, some light greens and just dusting it in in places. So I think that's for me, where it's become a game changer, just something I haven't been able to pull off with a brush that I'm going to be able to do with this. And I'm very excited by it. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's next on your list, buddy? My last one is Beetle and Grimm's, the, uh, Dragonline steel edition. You just got that, didn't you? Yeah. A couple days ago. Cool. Um, yeah, it's funny because that's, it's their gold edition, but they call it steel because in Dragonline steel is, Yes. Gold. <laughs> like yes. That's what they call their currency. Totally. Uh, yeah, Beale and Grimm's, they just put out um, like high detailed sets. Uh, it comes with a ton of stuff, like every every map handout that you could possibly imagine for the whole campaign. They uh, break the campaign guide into like five books, so it's a lot easier to run. Uh, all the monster encounter things, so it's like the art of the monsters on one side, and you hang it over your DM screen, and then it has all the stats on the back. Yeah. So that's really cool. And like you could use that in other campaigns too, obviously. Very cool. Um, it's just packed with awesome stuff. Really? So yeah, if you're like really excited to run a campaign and have a little bit extra money for it, it's definitely worth it. And like how much is your time worth? Like I'm terrible yeah. at DM prep doing my homework and stuff, but this all the handouts are there, everything. So nice. Very, very cool. Yeah. That's and awesome, then like man. I'm running it online for you guys. 
but um, I can just take pictures of all the handouts, right? It's still yeah. it's going to save me a ton of time, and it'll still be really cool for you guys. That's perfect. Yeah, I know you were very excited to get that one, so I'm glad it arrived. Yeah, so. Very cool. Okay, my last one is another thing that can be used for terrain building. Um, a lot of times when you have big pieces, like an example, I'm <clears throat> doing like a Viking kind of beach setting for uh, one of my Patreons, and I've got some big, thick, two-inch foam that's going to sit on top of half-inch foam. And it's a pretty large piece. It's about 14 inches wide by about six inches deep. And if you just put hot glue all over that and slam them together, it's hard to get enough hot glue on so it doesn't dry before you get them together. Um, I've also got major anxiety about only using hot glue on my builds because I know there are some uh, some places where if you send a piece of terrain to a hot climate and if it's too hot, sometimes the glue can actually melt and let go and your thing can start falling apart. Uh-huh. So I've been worried about stuff like that. So I've been trying to do... a a combination gluing effect where I'll use traditionally I'll use quick drying wood glue. I'll run a bead down a piece of it and then I'll put hot glue around it, slam them together. Hot glue dries immediately. And then over a couple of hours, the wood glue dries and you've got the double glue going. Right. Um, but what I've come across is a product by a wood, by glue company, LePage, and it's called no more nails. And it's used in, um, like construction or like, you know, if you're working on your house and stuff and it's just, you get it as a caulking type thing with a caulking gun, or you can get it in a tube and it's a, it's white. Uh, it's much thicker than glue. It's almost like a bit of a paste and you just squidgy out a, a strip of it and you can, you know, you can get a little spatula and, and thin it out if you want. Um, and it, I've actually taken, sometimes I find as well, like if you take normal wood glue and put two pieces of foam together and glue it, it will take forever to set up because there's nowhere for the glue to, glue to be absorbed into. Like the foam will not absorb the glue. So to make things glued together easier, a lot of times I'll paint them first and then glue the painted pieces together. It seems to glue faster. But I found with this stuff, it don't care. You get two pieces of raw foam, put a piece together. I slammed them together, squishied them good, and then I left it for like about 20 minutes. And I tried pulling it apart, and it was already really sticking. Within an hour, I couldn't get these pieces apart unless I broke them. Like it works really well. So on this larger piece, I put out a couple of lines of the no more nails, put a perimeter of hot glue around the whole thing, slammed them together. The hot glue binds immediately, allows it to keep together. Then within 20 minutes, the other stuff sets up, you're done. And so highly recommend uh, using something like that. Again, a quick drying wood glue works, but this no more nails. I'm really sold on it. So uh, I just bought a small amount and I'm going to buy some more because I really like it, especially for big pieces. I like, like big items. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it's funny what we said too about the wood glue, like our good friend Ray got DM. He uses yeah, yeah. wood glue when he's doing some crafting for, he does. um, cause it doesn't, because it doesn't set. Yeah, so you can, exactly. If you're doing he, bricks and then you look, and it's kind of a little wonky or it's not exactly why you still have time to yeah. kind of put them into place. Totally true. So that's yeah. pretty cool. So yeah, right yeah, tool so, for the right job, right? Totally. And like I said, if you're using wood glue and you're finding your stuff's not setting up, just paint both pieces first if you can, and just a quick brush of color on there because you're not going to see them because they're touching. Then add the wood glue, and then they'll set up you know, within about 15, 20 minutes. But like Jim says, you can move some stuff around still and everything, which is great if you do it with wood glue. So there you go. Yeah. That is uh, kind of our, our uh, not sponsored stuff. If anybody wants us, I would love to get a bunch of No More Nails. So LePage, if you're listening, uh, please send Jim and I a bunch of No More Nails uh, kind of glue stuff. We'd love that. Yeah, and uh, Walmart toothpicks. Yeah, toothpicks. I'll take another compressor because we just like sell it on the side. So yeah, you know, yeah, we need to we need to be sponsored. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else there, buddy? 
No, I don't think so for this. Awesome. Great segment. Yeah. Thanks, man. Next time on 13-Sided Die. All right, people, we're going to wrap up the show now. Uh, Big thank you, as always, to my great friend, Jim. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure to be on here. It was a good time. Uh, Sorry I went off the deep end a little bit there with the OGL stuff, but I think it was we needed to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, well talked about. Yeah, we we told them our feelings, and it's it's really what we said that turned the tide of the whole thing. I think, mm. even though that we said it afterwards. <laughs> Interesting take. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. We'll we'll take ownership on anything because you know we don't apologize for anything. Um, yeah. yeah, I uh, we were just chatting. We're not gonna um, say what next episode's about. Uh, this one again is late. We're we're sorry about that. Um, it's uh, between illnesses, and I just got a new puppy as well, uh, so our lives have been pretty hectic. Uh, we're sorry this one's out later than normal, but that's okay. Um, we don't have anything planned for next show, but we'll figure out what that is when we get closer to it, and we'll let you guys know about it. Um, again, just big thank you to everybody who listens, right, Jim? Yeah. And uh, yeah, email us at crystalball at 13sidedie.com if you have any suggestions on what is, like a topic you do want us to talk about. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd love to get some feedback like that, and we can certainly have some chats about some of the uh, user listener stuff. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. We're loving this. Uh, big thanks to everybody who has subscribed and liked and followed and told people and just supported us in any way at all. It's amazing. We're just so so jazzed when we see how many people are following and listening. It's just so cool. Um, we do like to give a little shout out every once in a while and read a comment from somebody. And this comes from Flavel underscore C. I believe that person's name is Chris. They said, just finished all three episodes. Loved it. Looking forward to more shenanigans and fantasy slash D&D chatting. Keep it up. That's uh, very nice of them to say that. Thanks, Chris. How much did you pay him for that one? Mm, not much. He's pretty cheap. He was pretty cheap. Good. Yeah. yeah. We have to be careful because these comments are breaking the bank. Uh, Because we're we're not sponsored or anything. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's terrible. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think that's pretty close to about it. Anything else to add, Jim? No, I don't think so. Cool. I think this was a good episode. Um, I'm going to go upstairs, lie down, and cough my face off now because I've been suppressing as much as I can. (laughs) Um, But other than that, it's been really good. Thanks for chatting, buddy. Yeah, always a pleasure, buddy. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. Well done you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You're a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Goblin Torture Device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.